Happy Year of the Tiger. We take you to a Year of the Tiger exhibit at Taipei's famous Dihua Street. And we hear from people in the United States about how they celebrate the Lunar New Year. Also, a blind taste test of Taiwan's unique Lunar New Year snacks. And in hashtag Taiwan, I give you a look at some of the Lunar New Year goodies that places are giving out. This is Taiwan Insider. Happy Year of the Tiger! Taiwan is full of festivities right now. Taipei's Dihua Street is a very popular place this time of year, and we discovered a Year of the Tiger exhibit at a museum there. Welcome to Dihua Street, one of the oldest streets in Taipei, with sections dating back to the 17th century. The most popular time to go to Dihua Street is right before the Lunar New Year. Crowds of people flock to buy decorations like these beautiful lanterns. Some people will order customized lanterns or spring couplets that have been painted and decorated with words that wish for good fortune in the new year. Dihua Street is also known for bringing together an interesting blend of traditional and modern Chinese culture. Modern tea houses line the streets, showing how businesses can successfully innovate as they honor local traditions and culture. Another highlight of Dihua Street this year is the Year of the Tiger exhibition at Museum 207. Visitors can marvel at the various tiger-related artwork and also learn more about traditional beliefs concerning people born during the Year of the Tiger. For example, people who are born during these years may be hardworking, responsible, and decisive. However, according to tradition, people born during the Year of the Tiger need to be cautious when attending weddings, births, and funerals because they may bring bad luck with their intense personalities. Despite their fiery nature, tigers also symbolize power and fearlessness so some families will sew tigers onto children's clothes to protect them. A trip to Dihua Street wouldn't be complete without checking out some delicious treats. There are candies in all kinds of flavors, from bubble tea to ginger and even tuna. Dried fruits are also popular, as are pastries with fillings that range from red bean to taro and sesame. Taiwan's government recognizes the importance of historical sites like Dihua Street, and there is a large movement to protect these areas and the culture they represent. Dihua Street is a perfect place to visit and witness the beauty of traditional culture fused with modern innovation and to enjoy Lunar New Year holiday treats and festivities. Later on, we'll put Leslie through a little taste test of the Lunar New Year snacks we bought there. But next, Emma tells you about global Lunar New Year celebrations. The Year of the Tiger is celebrated around the world. Our partners at Voice of America talked to people in Washington, D.C. about what the Lunar New Year means for them. Lunar New Year means um, a time for me to get together with my family, all the different generations. I think the great thing is here in the U.S., a lot of people that aren't even Taiwanese celebrate it with us now. This will actually be my first um, uh, Lunar New Year away from my parents. It's an opportunity for me to make the foods that I want. Um, explore the activities that are related to Lunar New Year and explore my own identity. We just get together, all family members get together and uh, have something, you know, uh, get a feast. For me it's just gonna be with my friends and my boyfriend 
and even though it's going to be smaller than usual in Taiwan, but I'm still looking forward to it. I think this year, because of COVID, uh, we'll just do it at my house. We go out usually, like have dinner, um, do a little like little arts and crafts things, but nothing too big, nothing like at home. Spending Lunar New Year with them would be more meaningful in a way. Um, friends who've never celebrated Lunar New Year before and friends who are away from home, like the international students from um, other Asian countries. Please don't forget my rent envelope this year. Through and through, I am still a college student, so um, <laughs> Hey mom and dad, I miss you so much and all my friends, I hope you doing well over there and I'll go back pretty soon. I mean, I would also say and mom, like, don't take my money. Like, actually put it in the bank. I'd like to take this opportunity to, to wish them a happy new year and everybody have a happy new year. Next up in Hashtag Taiwan, Leslie tells you about some of the New Year's goodies places are giving out. Happy Lunar New Year, everybody. No matter where you are, I hope you're having a great start to the Year of the Tiger. Now, in Taiwan, Lunar New Year is like Christmas in Europe and the United States. It's a massive holiday and it's rooted in a lot of tradition. Like any great holiday, around this time, there's a lot of great food and plenty of gifts to go around. Adults hand out cash in the form of red envelopes and hey, who doesn't love money? But there are other more meaningful gifts that people exchange which are meant to bless people for the new year. Among these are specialized red envelopes, cash not included, that generally have unique designs featuring whatever organization that hands them out. These ones I have right here are from Taiwan's presidential office last year, the Year of the Ox. There are also decorative wall hangings that come in two forms. One you hang on your door and it usually has the word Fu written on it which means fortune. The other type of hanging is a couplet which usually comes in a pair. You hang them on either side of your door and they usually contain a lucky phrase. The idea is you hang this stuff on your door and that invites the good stuff to come into your home in the new year. Then you also have seed money which is basically just a piece of currency which is lucky and meant to bless your income for the new year. This is from Taiwan's presidential office, also from last year. I really need to update my collection. This week, I'm going to be telling you about some of these goodies that places in Taiwan are handing out. This year, the presidential office's wall hanging says Fu Yun Wang Lai, which means we hope you get bombarded by fortune and luck. They also have the customary seed money and red envelopes as well. Shinzu County Culture Bureau is offering wall hangings to anyone who checks out eight or more books from local libraries. I mean, if you're gonna have the time to read eight books, it's gonna be over the Lunar New Year holiday break. One place that's popular for getting seed money is Zinan Temple in Nanto County. Zinan Temple is probably Taiwan's go-to place of worship if you're asking the gods for cash. Unfortunately, this year, the temple will not hand out money for COVID-19 concerns, which is kind of poignant when you consider how the pandemic has affected people's livelihoods. And it's not just government institutions and religious places that will partake in this traditional gift giving. One of my favorite Taiwanese artists named Fan Ko held an event where she met with fans and hand painted wall hangings for them. But if all this talk about red envelopes and wall hangings and seed money is giving you pressure, just remember Lunar New Year is a holiday. So that's all about taking a break and hanging out with people you like and eating some good food. As long as you're doing that, then in my book, you're doing Lunar New Year right. 
During our trip to Dihua Street, Emma and I brought some Lunar New Year snacks back for Leslie to taste. Are you ready, Leslie? We've got uh, three snacks for you. Sure. I just need to say, I don't know if I'm looking at the camera right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I okay, can't see Okay, hold out your hand right. for a plate. There you go. Okay. Three snacks. Try one at a time. One at a time. Try to guess what they are and tell us if you like it. Not that one first, the other ones. Okay, yeah, so this one. Try this that one. one. Let's see what this one. Mmm. Okay. <laughs> do, do you want me to guess yeah, it? Yeah, guess it. It tastes kind of sweet. Uh -huh. I think I know what it is. Is it a candied lemon or orange? That's right. Oh. It's a candied orange. It's a dried orange, actually. I love my sweets. Yeah, probably mm. has some sugar in it. Yeah. Okay. okay, then there's something next to that. This one? Mm -hmm. okay. This one might be a little harder. You can bite the whole thing if you want. Yeah, really. I, I, I might need a second test. Mmm, okay. Um. Mmm. <laughs> oh, this, um... Uh, okay, there's some seeds in there. Is it another dried dried fig? No, not quite. Dried. It's a small thing. Dried plum? No, starts with a P. Yogurt. P A. Does that help you at all? Two words. Something fruit. Uh, no, you got uh, um, a par par. This um, is the kind of feeling you have when you really care. You're about very something. excited about something. Oh. You got this. You guys are really making me like my lack of enthusiasm about something. Um, passion fruit. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Okay, and then you have a candy. Okay. Would you like to try some candy too while he tries I this? I have one. Oh yeah, can't say no to candy. Can't say no to candy. Let's and you tell us what flavor you think that candy is. Okay. I'm gonna try one too. I'm gonna try and open this real quickly without dropping it. The passion. Okay. Wow, I'm gonna enjoy some candy right now. <laughs> smell testing. That's well. That's that's a that's a peppermint. That's a peppermint. Is it ginger candy? No, mm. we do have ginger candy in here. We have all kinds of delicious candy in here. I feel like I'm. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna have a um, a toothpaste in this flavor. I, I only I'm only tasting mint. Is that right? Like something you drink. Something I drink. Oolong tea. That's right. Oh, like straight There's tea. Bitter tea candy. Oh. And I got this date. It's like a zomni. It's like a date, um, a date kind of thing. Okay. What I mean, my eyes were completely open for this, but I can't even see what flavor this one is. What do we got here? Okay, you I can take your things off now. All right, take it off. We also have green tea, oh. and we have ginger, and pineapple, of course. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, oh, and that is a good one. Too. It's cool like stuff. a um, kind of what is that? Kind of like a. a Flavor of tea, of uh, yeah, flavor of tea. Oh, that was adventurous. So mine has a, a cat or a tiger on it, but I don't oh, think yeah, it's she cat has or tiger flavor. New York cat flavor. <laughs> Lucky cat. Mm. So those are just some of the exciting goodies you can see around Chinese New Year time. Um, hope that you enjoy the Taiwan taste buds today. And we're back in the studio, and I can see again because the blindfold's off. But uh, before we go, I want to pose one final question to my co-hosts here. And as you know, this is the Lunar New Year show, and uh, part of the Chinese, uh, the part of the Lunar New Year, sorry, is a zodiac that cycles 
every 12 years and this year is the year of the tiger now the tiger has many traits and we want to draw upon one of those traits to wish upon others or you know encourage ourselves to be more like a tiger so i'm gonna ask <laughs> my co-hosts emma you're up first what tiger trait would you like to embody or wish upon other people more in the new year well, I guess this goes for myself and other people. I hope we can all be more adventurous in this oh. upcoming year because, you know, with the pandemic and everything, it's really put um, just a strain on your ability to travel around the world or even around Taiwan. And I just hope that things will be safer in the coming year that we can all be able to travel and visit the people that we want to in the future. And Emma has a new feature called Island Adventures, exactly. right? <laughs> so she's becoming more adventurous. That's very good. And going to be sharing all those adventures with us. Exactly. Very pertinent. Natalie? And I would like to wish everyone a good measure of confidence. All of us are very unique and special and precious. So let us grow in our healthy confidence this year. That's a good answer. For me, um, so tigers are, like Natalie says, very confident, very strong. And in their confidence, they're very honest. So like, you know, I think <laughs> it's the golden rule, right? Like honesty is always best. And whether it's me or to everybody else, I hope people can be honest with me. I hope I can be more honest with everybody else and so on. And, you know, I think that's the truth is the best way to conduct yourself. So that is my answer to today's question. Well, we do hope you enjoyed this edition of Taiwan Insider. Happy Lunar New Year, guys. I'm Leslie Liao. I'm Natalie So. And I'm Emma Banat. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on all the platforms. You got Facebook, you got Twitter, and you got YouTube. Yes, and leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you. Um, have a happy new year. See you around, guys. Bye. Let's celebrate the new year with some songs that celebrate Taiwan as well. The next two songs are both by one of Taiwan's most popular bands, Miao Huo Qi or Fire X. The first one you'll hear is called Wan An Taiwan or Goodnight Taiwan. And the next one is Daoyu Tianguang or Island Sunrise. Enjoy! <laughs> Tile
Taiwan Today with Natalie So. 
China has been enforcing major economic sanctions against Lithuania for engaging Taiwan and welcoming a Taiwanese representative office. Well, just recently, the European Union went to the WTO to sue China over its discriminatory trade practices against Lithuania, which are also hitting other exports from the EU single market. China has also targeted companies from other European nations that source parts from Lithuania. Now, the EU is not taking this any longer, and it is standing up to China by bringing this case to the World Trade Organization. Now, today I speak with a EU-China expert, Zhuja Ferenczi, who is a visiting lecturer here in Taiwan at National Donghua University. She is also a formal political advisor for the European Parliament. Renzi tells me how significant this move is for the EU to take their case against China to the WTO. So the EU's decision to turn to the WTO with the case that China has used economic coercion against one of its member states and went beyond Lithuania, affecting the integrity of the European Union's um, internal market, is a very significant move, and I think it's the right strategic approach, it is justified and it's legitimate. Of course, economic coercion used for political means, as Beijing is doing with Lithuania at the moment, requires a European response, and it also requires a response both on a, the economic level as well as politically speaking. So what do you mean by uh, politically? Is this considered a political move? Well, I think that... There's short-term and long-term that the European Union needs to think at this moment, and it needs to have a short-term response in order to send a message to China that it cannot divide the European Union. And going to the WTO, even though the, the process itself is not going to be a quick process, it will take time, but already it sends a message that the European Union is taking this seriously, and there are consequences for China bullying one of its member states. So I think it already sends a political message uh, by going to the WTO. So what is the goal of this case at the WTO? Is it to reverse China's behavior against Lithuania and other states that um, have been affected? But at the moment, the European Union does not have a sophisticated toolbox to be able to defend itself in the face of economic coercion. So what we're seeing right now is the EU's awareness of the lack of its tools and its vulnerabilities and the fact that it's being exposed to China's coercion. So I think at the moment what it needs to do is, as I said, send that message to Beijing that the EU stands united, it stands its solidarity with Lithuania. And at the moment, what it needs also to do is to make sure that it communicates well, not just to Beijing, but also more broadly. The problem I see with um, the lack of cohesion inside the EU is also on the level of its narrative. I think the less the European Union communicates, the more space there is for China to use this information to explain to its audience that what Lithuania is doing, for example, is against um, the EU's one-China policy. And this is this information. Lithuania made it clear that it wants to protect 
protect its democracy, and it is in line with the rest of the EU. Uh, and the aim is to deal with China on a European level. Second, what the European Union also needs to do with this case, and more broadly, is to really understand China's economic coercion. So what we see already is that China is using trade, weaponizing trade, and weaponizing access to its own market in order to achieve political goals. However, this is not done formally. China does not use a sanction list against companies that it wants to to punish, <laughs> let's put it this way. China does it in a very informal way. So it's often hard to detect, and the EU also needs to uh, get better skills at detecting uh, when in informal gray zone coercion happens, and it needs to strengthen its resilience. So all of this is short-term already having an impact because it sends a message to Beijing. Uh, however, this needs to continue. The message needs to be strengthened and needs to be repeated over and over again that this is internal cohesion. And long-term, it will help equip the EU with more deterrence power. So this is also in line with the idea to have an anti-coercion instrument. That is also to uh, to be something that it, the EU needs to accelerate its work, its work on the anti-coercion instrument. It needs to um, work together with member states um, in order to have a tool that serves as a deterrent in the face of Chinese coercion, economic coercion. I'm speaking with Zhu Zha Ferenzi, an expert on EU-China ties. She is a visiting lecturer here in Taiwan at National Donghua University and a former political advisor to the European Parliament. Next, we talk about the EU's anti-coercion instruments and what measures it may use against China. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Listening to Taiwan today, and I am Natalie So. I'm speaking with EU China expert Zhu Zha Ferenci, who is a visiting lecturer here at National Donghua University. She is also a former political advisor to the European Parliament. Now, we're talking about the European Union's move to sue China at the WTO for its discriminatory trade practices against Lithuania and other member states. Now, in December, the European Commission proposed an anti-coercion instrument to enable the European Union to respond to coercive measures such as what China has been doing with Lithuania. I asked Ferenczi what kind of measures she expects to come from this instrument. Well, the anti-coercion instrument, um, as I said, it should serve as a deterrent and to be used only as a last resort. And what European uh, leaders and officials already have suggested that the idea of having an anti-coercion instrument in itself on a European level will already help 
the EU to protect its interests. What it will allow is to have a case-by-case assessment of the threat of coercion or a coercion in place, and it will allow a tailor-made response and proportional response, and it can include imposing tariffs on that country trying to use coercion. It can imply restricting imports from that country or restricting investment and services from that country, and it will also uh, imply restricting access to the EU's internal market. So this means the EU acting as a whole in this way? Yes, indeed. So what about the WTO case? What do you expect to evolve practically from this suit? Well, we already see that other countries are joining and supporting the EU uh, in its move to turn to the WTO, because essentially that means that the European Union recognizes the threat and the danger uh, and the fact that it is an unprecedented move from Beijing to go against a member state and beyond that to impose like, secondary sanctions to uh, go against con- other companies from other countries that are not directly involved but who trade with Lithuania. and. It already has led to instances of support from other countries. So I think it will help strengthen the cohesion among like-minded partners who share the same concerns of um, China's economic coercion and the implications of China's economic coercion. There's also a major group in the European Parliament, the Renew Europe group, that's supporting this move, this case to the WTO. What does that signify? I think that's another good indication that this debate in the European Parliament is going to be, again, significant in taking initiatives forward, in pushing the EU to move faster, and reminding the European Union that the WTO case as a long-term process that requires time needs to be just one tool to respond on a European level. The European Parliament has been the most vocal, um, as we know and we've seen already uh, with many different initiatives, the European Parliament has been pushing and leading and shaping the European Union's agenda. So I believe that having the third largest uh, political group in the European Parliament issue a strong statement uh, that they support this decision and they support further steps in order to protect Lithuania, to stand in solidarity with Lithuania, and also to equip the EU to be able to, to adapt to this new reality. And this is also in line with what the European Commission said when they made the official announcement. Um, Commissioner Dombrovskis, he said that this step is to defend the EU's rights. I think this is crucial to highlight because this is exactly where China likes to use this information and to portray this move from the EU as an attack on China as an anti-China step led by anti-China officials, whereas the European Union also said through this statement that China remains a vital partner and the EU wants to uphold and deepen relations with China, but there has to be mutual respect. So 
the language that comes out, I think it's very interesting and fascinating to look at the language right after this announcement. Because as I'm saying here, the announcement from the European side, you know, it's very measured but strong and firm language and very civilized. <laughs> like it says that China is a partner, we want to go further, but we need mutual respect. In contrast, the language that comes out from Beijing is to send a message to um, to the EU that it needs to be careful, it needs to correct its mistake, it needs to be wary of, of Lithuania wanting to divide uh, and take EU-China relations as hostage. So I think the fact that the language from the EU is strong and firm is also a very good sign for the future of European efforts to deal with China on a European level as opposed to allowing China to divide European member states. And when I say European member states, I think we need to remember that, of course, there's Germany and France, and France now has mm, the presidency. Uh, however, what we see so far is not a very ambitious agenda. Uh, from the French presidency when it comes to China. So the lack of ambition means that there's not enough focus on China, and China is not treated as a priority. However, we see that Germany is, with this new government in place, determined to switch its approach and have a more stand, stronger stance on China. So for the future, it has to be France and Germany working together with all other member states in shaping the approach that the EU wants to have vis-a-vis -vis China. And it should not be dominated by single member states who might have the most influence individually because they have the largest trade relations with China. But if we really want to show a strong European front, then all member states need to be part of the process. That is Zhuja Ferenczi, an EU-China expert based here in Taiwan at National Donghua University. She's also a former political advisor for the European Parliament. Next week, we talk more about how she expects China to respond to the EU's lawsuit at the WTO. Thanks for tuning in to Taiwan Today. I'm Natalie So. Want to stay up to date or view past RTI programs, videos, and news stories? Come check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm your host, Shirley Lin, and this is a program where I bring you reports, past reports in Taiwan, or news reports, and um, we actually did videos to them. But uh, in this case, you're going to be uh, listening to these reports in audio form. So the first report here is about uh, China's um, belligerence towards uh, Taiwan, in terms of its, you know, incessant incursions into the Taiwan Strait, 
Um, and in fact, uh, Chinese warplane incursions have been happening even after U.S. and Japan were conducting their military um, naval exercises. So it is getting a little bit worrisome uh, with China's growing belligerence in the Western Pacific, and not just only to Taiwan, but also to the United States and Japan. So let's have a listen to this report brought to you by Tomasz Koper. Three carrier ships advance information. On the flanks are two American vessels, but the one in the center is flying the Japanese flag. This footage is from a six-day-long joint exercise by the U.S. and Japanese navies, which started on January 17th south of Okinawa. Two U.S. aircraft carriers, USS Carl Vinson and USS Abraham Lincoln, took part in the drills, with a third carrier, USS Ronald Reagan, deployed nearby. A number of other ships took part in the exercise, including amphibious assault ships and helicopter destroyers. Experts view the maneuvers as a response to the Chinese Navy's growing assertiveness in the region. Taiwanese lawmaker Wang Dingyu says that together with the USS Ronald Reagan, the U.S. now has three carrier groups deployed in the vicinity of China. Perhaps as a response to the exercise, China sent 39 warplanes into Taiwan's air defense identification zone on Sunday. This included 24 J-16 and 10 J-10 multi-role fighters. It's the second highest number of planes entering in a single day since reports became publicly available. Taiwanese interceptors stationed in Taidong were seen taking off on high alert until late last night. Lawmaker Tsai Seing says Chinese planes were conducting exercises southwest of Taiwan and that Taiwan's airplanes and missile tracking systems worked as expected. Taiwan's defense ministry announced in a report to lawmakers that it has finished deploying Tiangong anti-air missile systems in the southwestern part of Taiwan. Wang says that pressure from China came predominantly from the west in the past, but the eastern coast of Taiwan is now a focal point for defense measures as well. With China's aerial incursions continuing into 2022, Taiwan is ensuring that it's always ready to respond. Tomasz Koper, RTI News. During Chinese New Year's, uh, children and those who remain single uh, can look forward to getting cash red envelopes from the senior um, you know, members in their family or from maybe their parents um, and from friends who happen to be at the um, Lunar New Year. I mean, maybe even paying visits during the holidays or even from relatives as well. But uh, and then those people who actually have a steady income, you know, they hold down a job. They would be the ones also handing out red envelopes filled with cash to other friends, you know, children or people yeah, younger than them. Um, this is just a tradition around Chinese New Year's in Taiwan and as well as in China, I'm sure, in Chinese speaking communities. But this year, with COVID-19 um, pandemic still looming over this year's holiday, um, you know, now that COVID has already been around for two years now, I can't believe that we've made it through two years. But of course, it's sad. People have been sick or even dying or died um, from COVID. But it's it's become like something that you live with, you know, these viruses. And uh, the fact that we can treat it like the flu, um, we're probably going to be, you know, having to get vaccines every year from now on. But anyway... With COVID, um, people are just not so sure about their finances. So it can be a problem when it comes to just how much to fill into these red envelopes you have to give out. Well, Leslie Liao has this report for you. 
Lunar New Year is around the corner. If you're an adult with a steady income, that means you'll be expected to give out cash gifts in the form of red envelopes. Most people assess their incomes before deciding how much to give out. According to Taiwan's Yes123 Job Bank, this Lunar New Year, people have budgeted an average of 400 US dollars for red envelopes. That's 30 US dollars less than last year. Yes123 survey found that 86.2% of workers plan on giving out red envelopes. That might seem high, but it's still a 2% drop from 2021. A representative from Yes123 says that the COVID-19 pandemic has given people income anxiety. He says that workers are worried that they'll have to take pay cuts or even be furloughed at any time due to COVID-19. With no end to the pandemic in sight, workers are concerned about their income prospects. 80% of people say their expenses are increasing. 70% say that they haven't received raises. Just under half say they're worried their bonuses will be getting cut. Almost one in four say that they're worried they'll get laid off and one in six people say they're worried their pay will get cut or that they'll get furloughed. With workers across Taiwan feeling the pinch, this year's festive cash gifts are said to be more meager than most. Leslie Liao, RTI News. All it takes is a click to listen to RTI online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to News Playlist. I'm your host, Shirley Lin. And uh, this is a program where I bring you past news reports uh, that we've done and uh, all about Taiwan. But uh, this is in audio form for you. And so the next one I'm going to talk about and, and share with you is this interesting or maybe not so interesting ways of uh, upcycling old basketballs in Taiwan. So there is this startup called Double Dribble, a Taiwanese company that has made a business out of upcycling discarded basketballs into a range of things. So let's have a listen to this story by Stash Butler. Plant pots, key rings, handbags. You don't need to be a basketball fan to recognize the orange rubber in all of these designs. They're part of a collection by Double Dribble, a design company putting upcycling and sustainability at the heart of the business. Out of their new base in Taipei's Songshan Cultural Market, the company's three founders run workshops teaching others their craft. What began as a design school project is now a flourishing enterprise, thanks partly to a generous loan from the government. Co-founder Huang Weiyu says Double Dribble aims to recycle each ball without downgrading the material in the process. He says each new product preserves the ball's unique character. Double Dribble mostly uses discarded basketballs for its designs, along with the odd volleyball or American football. Each ball is different, and turning them into viable products takes time and patience. Huang says they have to cut each ball to size before cleaning it and trimming it further. He says it's a very labor-intensive process. But none of those difficulties have stopped customers from wanting to take part. Double Dribble runs do-it-yourself courses, teaching people how to turn a tired old basketball into a hanging planter. With more and more innovative designs in production, Double Dribble aims to make upcycling basketballs into a slam-dunk success. Stash Butler, RTI News. Taiwan's recent surge in domestic COVID cases include cases in Taoyuan as well. Taoyuan in northwestern Taiwan, and uh, it's happening at a kindergarten and also a free trade zone there. 
to be exact, it's the Far Glory Free Trade Zone, which I never heard of and hadn't realized that we've got such a thing. But、uh, people are worried whether Taiwan alone should raise its COVID-19 alert level from level two to level three. Now, I don't think that's feasible.、Um, it just doesn't seem right if you only have a certain district in Taiwan, the whole country, you know, on level three. Now, the people there are not going to feel that it's fair. But then again, there are other people who would have this idea, this thought, is because they're worried, they're panicking. Let's just see what the Taoyuan district has decided to do about this. I bring you this story. Authorities have reported confirmed cases of COVID-19 at the Jimmy Bear Kindergarten in Taoyuan. The source of the infections is still unclear. The school has been forced to close for 14 days. Over 300 teachers and students have been tested. There has been discussion over whether the COVID-19 alert level in Taoyuan should be raised from the current level two to level three. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan says he believes that the Central Epidemic Command Center will make the best judgment. He says that his office is willing to go with whatever the final decision is. However, Dr. Jiang Guanyu, a doctor in family medicine, says that raising the alert level in Taoyuan alone would make little sense. Jiang said that there needs to be consistency throughout Taiwan for a concerted effort to control COVID-19. Meanwhile, the Far Glory Free Trade Zone in Taoyuan also confirmed COVID cases among its employees. Even though the initial round of tests on others working in the area has come back negative, authorities say people need to remain vigilant as some people will likely return positive results during a second round of tests. Now, this next story is kind of worrisome. It's talking about a new subvariant of the COVID-19's Omicron strain, which has been identified in Taiwan alongside many other countries as well. And the growing number of, of infections among the young people may mean that the spread of the pathogen will become more difficult to contain. And、um, I hadn't realized about this. I had been following it so much. But it really is worrisome when you think about the fact that there's already been the original COVID-19 and then、uh, a variant from that, Omicron. Well, before that, that was Delta, and now a subvariant. Well, Tomas Kapel has that story for you. COVID-19 keeps evolving as it spreads through populations around the world. Taiwan has recently reported a cluster of cases of unknown origin centered around the port of Kaohsiung. Testing has revealed a connection between those infections and a new subvariant of Omicron BA2. The dean of National Taiwan University Children's Hospital, Huang Yimin, says that the appearance of infections means that the virus is already present in the community. He says the subvariant seems more infectious than Omicron, but it's uncertain by how much. This latest wave of infections also seems to spread more readily among younger age groups than was the case in the past. Most of those infected in January were under 50, with a relatively high proportion of young adults and children. Fewer serious symptoms are associated with infections among the youth, but that also means the spread of the virus is harder to contain. Toxicologist Zhao Mingwei says that transmissions in places like kindergartens are impossible to contain. He remains ambiguous, however, on whether this is a cause for concern. It is also still too early to determine whether the COVID virus can be treated as endemic. Dr. Huang says that treating the coronavirus as endemic will require time, and he doubts it will be possible anytime soon. Professor Zhao says that in order to treat the virus as endemic, the mortality rate needs to be low. He says Omicron's mortality and side effects remain a serious concern to the unvaccinated. Professor of Public Health at National Taiwan University Chen Xiuxi says that in order to control the spread of the COVID virus, it is important to try to minimize the number of asymptomatic patients and deploy large-scale rapid testing. Tomas Koper, RTI News. 
Well, that's it for News Playlist. I'm Shirley Lin, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app RTI to go. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's RTI to go. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kilohertz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International. Music